The biggest rewards in life are found outside your comfort zone. Live with it. Fear and risk are prerequisites if you want to enjoy a life of success and adventure. Jack Canfield. Hey everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Intentional Living and Leadership with me, Cal Walters. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for spending some of your time with this community today. I hope that it inspires you. I hope that it gives you something to go and be a more effective leader, to live a little bit more of an intentional life. I'm not quite sure where I'm finding you right now. Maybe you're driving into work or you're leaving work. Maybe you're going for a walk or cutting your grass, wherever that is. I hope that this finds you well during these weird COVID times where it almost feels like we're maybe making progress. It's a weird year full of challenges. And I hope that this podcast can be a place where you can come and at least feel uplifted. If you subscribe to this podcast, you'll get a new episode every other Tuesday. And thank you to everyone that continues to share this podcast on social media. Thank you to everyone that has gone and taken some time to rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts and you've left us a rating, a review. That means so much to me and it helps us make a wider impact on more people. And it helps us bring in great guests like today's guest. Today's guest is Jason Van Camp. He's incredible. You're going to love Jason. Jason's a West Point graduate. He's a former Army football linebacker. He graduated from the U.S. Army Ranger School. He served as a Green Beret in the U.S. Special Forces. And he's also the founder and chairman of Mission 6-0, which is a leadership assessment and development company that draws on highly unique systems to give individuals and teams a cognitive edge. They've worked with a number of different large corporations and professional sports teams, including the Jets, the Broncos, the Ravens, the Vikings, the Raiders, and Steelers, just to name a few. He's also the executive director of Warrior Rising, which is a nonprofit that empowers U.S. military veterans by providing opportunities to create sustainable businesses, perpetuate the hiring of fellow U.S. military veterans, and earn their future. Jason's also the author, as if Jason hasn't done enough. Jason's also the author of Deliberate Discomfort, How the U.S. Special Operations Forces Overcome Fear and Dare to Win by Getting Comfortable Being Uncomfortable. In fact, also this year, Jason was recognized as the top military entrepreneur of 2020 by the International Association of Top Professionals. On this episode, we dig into a lot. We talk about Jason's personal journey with discomfort, how that has changed over time. We talk about his passion for service. I even ask him whether he might ever be open to serving in public office. I ask him about how he deals with fear. We talk about personal responsibility and victimhood. And it's a great conversation. I think it will leave you inspired to go and push your limits a little bit, to, to really step out of your comfort zone. If you'd like show notes on this episode, go to my website, calwalters.me, just my name.me. You'll find a little bit more about Jason there and link a link to his book. And if you enjoy this episode, again, just please share it with someone in your network. Help them benefit from the insights that Jason offers on this episode. And hey, without any further ado, again, thank you for being here. And please enjoy this interview with Jason Van Camp. Jason Van Camp, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. 
Yes, yes. I'm excited to be here. This is awesome, brother. Thanks for having me on. Well, so you've written a book, Deliberate Discomfort. It's an incredible book. And I'd love to start by rewinding the clock a little bit and have you tell us about some of those crucible moments for you of discomfort in your past and how that has shaped you. Oh, absolutely. Great question. You know, I think back really to to the first time um, negativity, discomfort, like real life kind of slapped me in the face when I was in high school. And um, I wanted to be like an all-state linebacker. And I, I was pretty close the year before. And my senior year, I didn't get it. And as a matter of fact, I didn't get even, I didn't get close to it at all. And I thought I would. You know, and I was, I was shocked. I was disappointed. I was angry. Like, I didn't understand, like, why it didn't work out. I had more tackles. You know, my senior year, I was the captain of the team. Like, all this stuff. And I was just, like, I was catastrophically disappointed. And somebody told me something that really impacted me and resonated with me. It was, don't put your happiness in someone else's hands. Hmm. You know? And that was really the first time that I've, I took that deliberate discomfort mindset. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like I have no control over this person's opinion or decisions. I can only control myself. And the next step I took on my journey in life was I, I went to West Point. And um, I didn't know what to expect going to West Point. I really didn't have a military background, you know. Um, played with G.I. Joe figures when I was a kid. You know, I watched the cartoons and everything. And that was like my military experience. My dad served in the Vietnam War but he was stationed in Paris, France and he got drunk one night and uh, got into a car accident where he broke his back. And so he was discharged from the army, you know, and he never really talked about his military experiences because there really weren't any military experiences for him. And so when I went to West Point, um, it was not easy for me. Like I hated every second of it. And Looking back, you know, 20 years now, 20 plus years, when I first, 25 years ago, oh my gosh, was the first day I went to West Point. Oh my gosh, man, I'm an old man. That's crazy. <laughs> 25 years ago. And uh, I thought, you look great. Yeah, I got the lion's, lion's mane and the beard, man. <laughs> certainly wouldn't accept that at West Point. And I remember going the first day and I was like, oh, this is easy. This is a piece of cake. Like all you got to do is remember, memorize a few things and you got to walk straight and you got to do this. And then I, I, I quickly, for whatever reason, um, upperclassmen like took notice of me and like wanted to give me a hard time. Like they just singled me out, man. And, and, uh, and I dealt with it, you know, but it kind of was, uh, a situation where my whole life, if anybody ever confronted me or kind of challenged me or whatever, I, I, I'm a fighter, man. I'm a rebel. Like I wanted to stand up for myself and you kind of don't do that at West Point. You, you don't do that at all. And, uh, I hated every second of West Point. Looking back 25 years, hindsight's 2020. You can say, Oh, you know what? Um, it wasn't so bad. It was so bad. I, I still hate it. It was still <laughs> terrible. I say that because I've been to Ranger school and it's very difficult, but I loved every second of it. I went to special forces selection and qualification course, loved every second of it. And, uh, when I was at those courses, I would tell to myself frequently, you know, when we were experiencing bad times, I would say, you know, at least, at least I'm not at West point right now. Mm. And it would kind of get me through the day. And 
it kind of goes back to something kind of we discussed previously. It's like, what is deliberate discomfort? Like, what does that mean? Well, it's your own definition of discomfort. You know, discomfort is, is not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. It's a growth mindset. You try to become stronger and figure out how to improve yourself and improvise in, in a number of different ways because you want a better life for yourself and for your family, potentially for your business if you're a business owner as well. And, um, and it's about intentionally, voluntarily, deliberately choosing that discomfort. And I did that at West Point and it kind of helped me push my ceiling, my experiential ceiling. So when I were, was out, like experiencing my life's journey, things that were necessarily hard for other people weren't necessarily hard for me. You know, it's, it's sort of like, um, I would say, a lot of people say, you need to wake up at 3.30 in the morning and go work out at 4 a.m. That's hard. Well, that's not hard for me. I do it every day. It's not hard for me. I don't, I'm not proud. I'm like, not, that doesn't give me pride. It doesn't give me some sort of false sense of superiority over anyone. You know, okay, well, you got to make your bed every morning. Well, I made my bed every morning for 25 years. Ever since I was 18 at West Point, it was the first day. Like, that's not hard for me. Okay, well, you got to take a cold shower in the morning. Well, I lived in Russia for two years, and every April they turned off the hot water, and they didn't turn the hot water back on until October. That's how they lived there, and that wasn't hard for me. I've experienced it. Um, you want to run a marathon? Yeah, that's hard for me. I've, I've done it. For a lot of people, that's really hard. That's discomfort, and for other people, their discomfort is running a 5K run. For other people, it's, it's walking a mile around the track, and so what I try to inspire people to do is to find out what's uncomfortable for them, face that challenge, face that fear, get inspired to do it, and then act. Man, so many great, so many great nuggets there. As I hear you talk through that, what I hear is growth. I hear a, a growth journey and these building blocks. Because I bet, and tell me, Jason, at some point, getting up at 3.30 probably was difficult. Yes, exactly. And, exactly. then, and then now, you know, taking a cold shower, probably at some point, not something you wanted to do. But over yeah. time, these building blocks, is that what it's like? Is that, is that how it really works is over time, as you continue to seek this discomfort, it's almost like you have these reference points of, okay, I did, I did that. So I can do something even more uncomfortable now. As humans, we're conditioned to evolve and grow and improve and, and get better. You know, uh, we have that in, internal drive inside of us. And a lot of times as we grow older, we kind of forget about that drive. And we veg out, we sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix or, you know, play video games all, all day long. And I'm not saying watching Netflix or playing video games is, is the wrong thing. If that's what kind of helps you to relax, that's great. But you can't do it all day. You, you've got to understand that you can take a break, but as, as quickly as you can you can get up and continue moving and move on to the next objective. That's going to be your measure of success in life. Like you think about going to the gym and you've got a workout program and you start working out. Well, you can't just like bust out set after set, rep after rep, set after set and without any rest. Like your body can't do that. But as you're working out and you're like, okay, I did this set of 10 reps. Now I'm going to give myself 60 seconds of rest and then I'm going to hit it again. 
well, you're going to engage your muscles in a way where they're going to grow. But if you're like, oh, you know what? I did this set. I did this, these 10 reps. I'm going to give myself four minutes or 10 minutes. I'm going to, I'm going to hang out. I'm going to talk. I'm going to check my cell phone. Well, you're not getting the same results before you do your next set. And it's kind of the same thing in life. Like we talk about comfort zones and safe spaces and, and, and fortresses of solitude. And those things are, are bad things. You know, we need to have those things in our life. You're only going to be as successful as, as measuring the amount of time that you were able to get out of that comfort zone, that safe space, that fortress of solitude. And that's going to be your, your measure of success in life. So what is uncomfortable for you now? You've been through West Point, Ranger School, SF Selection. You've deployed multiple times. You've been to combat. You've got a Bronze Star with a V device. <laughs> what is uncomfortable for Jason now? Well, I look at those things and, and I, I honestly, I don't really look at those things a lot because I like to look forward. I look ahead. You know, I don't like to look behind myself um, at, at what I've, I've done or, or haven't done. Don't try to dwell too, too much on, on successes or failures. Just what's the next target, you know, is kind of where my mindset is, is at. And, um, and I love to be around people that inspire me, you know, and, and one of my close friends is James Lawrence. They call him the Iron Cowboy. And this guy, I'm not sure if you know who this guy is, but he, he, uh, he did 50 Ironman races in 50 consecutive days in all 50 states. Oh, my gosh. Like, wow. this guy's insane, man. <laughs> And uh, he was, he never was a, a great speaker and he kind of tried and tried and tried, gained experience. And now he's one of the best speakers I've ever heard. And so I'm, I'm hoping to, uh, my next thing is I'm hoping to go to Antarctica with him to do an Ironman race. You know, I think that would be like incredible. Like I'm all about the journey and the storytelling. I feel like in my, in my business, and to back to your question, what's uncomfortable for me? Business is uncomfortable for me. It, it's uh, whether or not it succeeds or fails is completely on my shoulders. And, and I've got a team of guys that rely on me, that depend on me, that, that, um, you know, that, that I need to succeed so they can succeed. And, um, and I feel like Mikey from the Goonies, you know, if you remember, like, He's got the treasure map, you know, and he's got a belief that we're going to do this and we're going to find, you know, one-eyed Willie's treasure and everything. <laughs> and the whole, the whole way you got people complaining and you got people, where's the gold, Mikey, where's the gold? And let's get out of here. And you kind of have to you know, herd the cats and bring everybody in and say, guys, come on, we can do this together. We're going to, we're almost there. Like just keep grinding, keep, keep pushing. And when you're a leader, that, that's what it feels like. And when you're in a business and it's a, it's a business that you've created yourself, like that's, that's what it feels like to me. So Jason, what do you say to the person who's listening and they're like, well, isn't the point, I mean, the American dream is to sit on a beach somewhere in Margaritaville and just live it up and have ultimate comfort. Why should we deliberately seek discomfort? Is it the point to try to find comfort? So I, that's a great question. I've thought about that as well. So that's not the point. And when people go through it, this journey, they, they understand that. And so for people that were just giving, giving things to them in life, they, they've inherited something or they started a business and it just, it just worked out for them and they didn't really have to work hard for it. Yeah, perhaps sitting on a beach is something that is comfortable for them and that they aspire to. For the guys that grind and drive and work 
and really improve themselves and become better for it. They can find that self-reliance when it's all said and done and they go and sit on a beach within five minutes, they're saying to themselves, I'm bored. Like I need something to do right now. Like I've created in myself such a drive, such a soul, such a person where I can't sit still. I need to have something new. I need to have this next thing. I need to create. I need to be, I need to have a purpose and I need to have a community. And that's my mindset. And for those people that understand that and feel that as well, then join my tribe because we're on the same page. If, if you, and I'm not saying that sitting on the beach is, is not a bad thing. Like I said, with that analogy with working out, there are times when you need to relax, go, go relax for, for a couple of days or, or, or whatever you need to do, you know, take a break. But, um, but people that aspire to eventually do nothing with their lives, you know, I, I don't get that. Where does your motivation come from, Jason? What, what is your why? You, you teach about leadership. You've, you've lived an entire life, it seems like, of service, trying to help other people. Where does that come from for you? So I think people are driven by one thing, and that's, and that's happiness. You know, and what makes you happy? And what I've come to understand is what makes me happiest is service. It's service to other people. It's helping other people. And we talk a lot about that in the book. You know, when you have um, dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin combined, when they're at their, their, their highest peak is when you're in service to other people. And virtually every religion in the world kind of teaches that as well in various forms and fashions. And I've often said that, you know, when I, and I think about the reason why I do things, it's, it's always driven by a selfish um, reaction. And I'm selfish about being selfless. And so if there's anything that I could do to help someone out, uh, reach out, you know, offer some advice, anything at all, I always try to, to put myself in a position to do that. And as I've continued to do that, I've kind of accepted that tough love mentality. You know, you have to earn it. And so I feel like charity, the only true charity is, is education, you know, because I'm not going to be around 24-7 to help you, to guide you, to hold your hand. And I don't want anyone to be around 24 seven for me in that fashion either. I want them to say, Jason, um, what can I do to help? Okay. Here's some things that you need to learn. I'll be here to mentor you, to show you the way. And it's on you to learn it. It's on you to do it because that's how you're going to learn and grow and improve. And it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be painful at times. You're not going to want to do it, but as you continue to accept that discomfort, you're, you're learning, you'll grow, and that discomfort will become comfortable for you. And when it does, you need to actively seek out a new challenge, a new discomfort. What do you want to be remembered for, Jason? So that's a great question. Um, I think everybody wants to leave a legacy behind. Everybody wants to, to leave something that lasts, you know, um, as I've gone throughout my journey, I've, I've realized that, you know, there are going to be people that love you and there are going to be people that hate you. 
or, you know, don't like you, I would say. And uh, the people that, that have really kind of bothered me in my journey are, are guys that I've, I've really tried to help. I've given education, given mentorship, given money to, you know, really gone out of my way to help them. And because they didn't succeed, they didn't do the effort, they didn't earn the right to, to win, like whether it was starting a business or, or what have you, you know, they, they blame me in a way. Well, Jason didn't work hard enough or Jason didn't give me enough money or Jason didn't do this. That really bothers me. You know what I mean? And I kind of go back to what I said earlier. is like, don't put your happiness in somebody else's hands. You know, don't, don't do that. And I kind of forget that lesson from time to time. And so if I were to be remembered for, for anything at all, what's important most to me is to be remembered as um, a father that loved his children and would do anything for them. And if my kids can take that with them for the rest of their lives, even after I'm gone, I think that's the impact that I want to make. I love that. Jason, in your book, you, you have so many great stories, so many great examples of leadership, lessons learned that you pull from the military. I got to ask, because you've already talked about service. Sure. Is there any public service in your future? Is that something that you would consider? And, and before you answer that, I would just say, one of my hopes is that we start to see more military veterans giving of themselves in the public sector, because I just think that the leadership principles that you talk about in your book and that you've learned over a lifetime of service. In many ways, I feel like our country needs that. Well, I appreciate that. That's a great honor. And I'm, I'm, that's a huge compliment. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm glad you love the book. I'm very proud of that. It does impact many, many people. As far as public service, you know, I'm from Washington, D.C. And so if you're from Washington, you kind of have to know a little, a little bit about politics for sure, but I've never aspired to be a politician. Um, I, you know, I know a lot of guys in this space, a lot of guys that start nonprofits, a lot of guys, they, they kind of have that, that aspiration that they're going to be a politician in the future, whether they say that or not. I can honestly, authentically tell you right now that was not a catalyst for anything I've done at Mission Six Zero or Warrior Rising or anything like that. Um, I've never considered it. Um, if the people of the United States were to say or whatever, Jason, we're going to nominate you and we want you to do it. And then they're pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. I would consider it for sure. Um, but I don't know. I don't think anybody would ever do that. My friend, Brendan Mullen, uh, we went to West Point together, played football together. He was the kicker on the team. So I'm not sure if that counts playing football. <laughs> uh, but he's, he's one of my closest friends and he ran for uh, Congress uh, district two, I believe in Indiana. And he was, uh, he ran, I think in 2012. So eight years ago, he was 35 years old and it was so fun to watch him go through this process and support him and give him some money to, to run his campaigns and everything. And, and uh, he would call from time to time and he would kind of forget who he's talking to. And he would like, you know, Jason, we got, we got all these problems. We got all these problems. I'm like, Hey, are you okay, man? Like, how are you and your wife doing? Like, what, what's going on? How can I help? No, no, Jason, you don't understand. What, what is it? You know, 
these, these politics in DC are just ruining the country. If you could somehow step up and pay, you know, like, who are you talking to, man? Like, I'm one of your best friends. Like, you were a groomsman at my wedding. Like, you don't have to get bitch, bro, you know? Stop. And he's like, I, I do this so much, man. I am sorry I lost myself. And uh, I would just laugh at him. And uh, he narrowly lost, uh, lost his, uh, his uh, campaign. Uh, but it was fun to watch him do it. And uh, who knows, man? You know, it's not something I think about, but hmm. you never know. If it sounded fun and people wanted me to do it, maybe. Hmm. Well, I love your perspective. And, and I think just the fact that you're not doing it for that, I think is a, is a great, it just highlights what I'm saying is that there's this true public service in you, whatever that looks like in the future. I'm excited to, to watch you. One of the things I wanted to ask you about as well is this idea of a quiet professional, you know, special forces officers are, are known for this mentality of being a quiet professional. And one thing you say in the book is there's a difference between being a quiet professional and a silent professional. What does it mean to you to be a quiet professional? So that's a great question. And it absolutely is in the book as well. And so I would tell you this, um, as a Green Beret, I always prided myself on being a quiet professional. It's our nickname. The Green Berets are the quiet professionals. And I feel like because that's been so ingrained in our psyche, um, we don't talk about ourselves. We don't market ourselves. And that's a huge detriment when we leave the military because you have to market yourself. And, you know, not to knock on the Navy SEALs, but they do a really good job of that. And I've got Navy SEALs on my team and I consider them brothers and the whole thing. And, and, um, and they just, I'll just tell them they, they do a great job of marketing themselves. And, um, and I truly believe that although I'm a quiet professional and the Green Berets are quiet professionals, we can't be silent professionals. And this is something I talk to Green Berets a lot about. I tell them, you know, you need to stand up and speak out and share the truth with those people that are searching for it. And that's what deliberate discomfort does as well. It's like, listen, we've got something to say. You have gone through some powerful experiences. You can share these with the world. You can help people. You can impact people. All you have to do is speak. And the only thing that is holding you back is fear. Fear of what other people will think of you in the community because you're talking about your experiences and I strongly, vehemently, violently disagree with that. I want to touch on fear. You just said that. You have a great quote in the book where you said, fear kills more dreams than failure ever will. And you also say, fear is the unknown. Yes. Tell, tell us about fear and, and what do we need to, how should we think about fear and how does that play into this deliberate discomfort? Yeah, so... That's a great question. And first off, um, I don't want people to think that I created that quote. I heard it somewhere years ago and I liked it and I wrote it down and, and um, I'm not sure who should be attributed to that quote, but if you want to, you know, do the Michael Scott thing and say, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if you know this one, but the Wayne Gretzky <laughs> quote, Michael Scott from the office, you know, he's quoting, <laughs> he's quoting Wayne Gretzky, but it's actually his quote. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, I do say that fear, kill, fear kills more dreams than failure ever will. And then I ask people, okay, well, what are you afraid of then? And they think about it and, and really the answer is, well, I'm afraid of the unknown. Hmm. Okay. Well, 
fear is the unknown. You're only afraid of what you don't know, what you don't see, what you don't understand. And once you truly know something, you're no longer afraid of it. And I'll, I'll give you an example. So whenever you play sports, I played a lot of sports growing up, college and everything. And when you're about to play the game, for me at least, there was generally a sense of fear, a sense of the unknown. Like, am I going to play well? How are the opponents going to play? Like, you know, I was nervous. There's anxiety, there's stress, there's, there's fear. But once you start playing the game, like five minutes into that, you don't feel that any longer because you know how the other opponent is playing. You know, you know how you're feeling. You know what you're doing on the field. And all those unknowns go away and the fear subsides. It's no longer there. And so what was oftentimes the most fearful thing for people to do is, is to start something, you know? Um, it's not the obstacle, really, that you fear. It's the unknown result of attempting to overcome that obstacle, if that makes sense. Totally. And, uh, what, what we try to do is we try to help people to willingly choose to confront that fear, that unknown, whatever it might be, head on. Yeah, I think that's I think that's great. I know for me, starting this podcast was something the the biggest exactly. thing that was going to keep me from starting this podcast was fear. Fear of failure, fear of ridicule, fear, right. fear of embarrassment, fear of failure, yep. all those things. Yep. And you know, it was funny. I came to a point where I said to myself, Cal, at some point you've got to keep your own promises. You know, that's a part of integrity, but having integrity to yourself. And that motivated me. I was like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm just going to do this. There's going to be that. Yes. There's the, there's the regret that you could have experienced down the road, or there's that fear that you can front and lean into now. And I'm so glad I did. And it's, it's amazing and to your point, how much just taking action, taking that first step, breaking it down to, into an executable plan, preparing, and then just doing it, man, you learn so much just by starting. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I love that example for me discomfort is social media. <laughs> I, I've never enjoyed social Same. media. Like Facebook, I never got it. You know, I, I, I'm like, I don't really want to know what other people are doing. And I especially don't want people to know what I'm doing. Like I don't, yeah. I, I keep in touch with the people I want to keep in touch with. And it, my, it's, it's a lot of people and I've got a lot of friends and I, and I love them all. Um, and in order for us to succeed as a business, you know, people kept telling me, you got to get on social media. You got to do social media. You got to do it. You got to do it. And the only reason I didn't do it was because of the things that you mentioned. Like I was afraid of what I didn't know. I was afraid of ridicule. I was afraid of people like, you know, negatively commenting on, on me or, you know, people unfriending me or whatever, because they don't like what I have to say. And I took that uncomfortable leap of faith, that plunge, in October of 2019, so like six months ago or whatever, and I started doing stuff on LinkedIn, and it's it's been really really good. Like we're getting a large following, and people are, um, you know, have really positive things to say about everything, and and it was a growth experience for me. You know, I'm no longer afraid of it. You know, and now it's on to the next challenge. Yeah, I think a lot of times we think fear is an indication that we're doing something wrong or that we shouldn't do something. But like, I think it was, um, you've, you've heard the quote about, you know, fear, courage is not the absence of fear. 
right? Courage is something that just is seizing the fear and taking that fear and leaning into it and continuing on and taking action. And I love that's what you're talking about. And another thing you talk about that I want to make sure we, we hit today is you say you alone control how you react and you say your reaction is your strength. And I think this relates a little bit to victimhood. We see a lot of that. I, I, I'll be honest, I've played the victim before. I've been like, oh, you know, it's too cold outside. I don't, I don't want to, you know, woe is me. And, and I find when I do that, man, it just immediately removes my personal responsibility. And I, in that moment, give myself the excuse that I don't have some level of control over my actions in that moment. So can you speak to us about the power that we have as you say, your reaction is your strength. Yeah, that, that's a great one. That's one of my favorite um, concepts in the book. It's in chapter five with Joe Cerna and Sarah Spradlin. And, um, and I kind of explain it in the book with uh, an experience that I had in Iraq. And when you're in Iraq, you hear a term, you hear this term a lot. It's, it's inshallah. And it means if God allows it or if God permits it. And so if you're working with your Iraqi counterparts and you're like, hey, you know, we've got a meeting tomorrow at 3 p.m. This is the time or 3 p.m. time, location. This is the uniform. This is what we're going to talk about. And you're like, okay, we'll see you there. And your Iraqi counterparts will say something like, inshallah. If God allows me to be at the meeting tomorrow, I'll be there. If he doesn't, then I won't be there. And it's kind of like, well, what are you talking about? Like, God's not going to allow you to be at the meeting tomorrow? Like, explain to me what you're thinking. You know, and they're like, well, you know, my alarm clock might not go off. Or I could get stuck in traffic. Or there could be an emergency somewhere and I can't go. Or I could just forget. And that's not in my control. It's, it's God. God made that happen. And you're like, what? You know, and they're like, we got to, you know, another example is, is kind of the same, along the same lines. Hey, we're going to go attack the enemy tomorrow at 05. You know, like this is a top secret mission. This is what we're going to do. Inshallah. I mean, no, there's no inshallah. Like it's going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to be there. <laughs> and that's, that's who we are. That's what we do. And, and that's how it's going to go down. And, and I think that, that Western mindset of duty and accountability and getting the job done no matter what and no excuses and like it's in my hands, it's under my control. I think that gets lost oftentimes in other cultures, especially in the Middle East where they can play the victim by saying inshallah, it's out of my, out of my hands, it's in God's hands. And I'm not saying this uh, from you know saying that I don't believe in God. I, I certainly do. I'm not an atheist by stretch of the imagination. All I'm saying is, you know, it confounds the Western mindset. And, and I feel like, you know, we oftentimes in the States find it easy to play the victim as well, to find excuses for why you're not succeeding because it's hard to look at yourself in the mirror and say, it's my fault. I'm the one that's responsible for my own fate, not my ancestors, not the government, not God, not anyone else, but me, you know, and, and granted a lot of people grow up in, in different circumstances, you know, uh, but we got to look to people that have succeeded in those circumstances. 
you know, and, and use them as an example, as a template so that we can, we can see how we can do the same. And, and that's what I try to do at Warrior Rising and just in my personal life is to say, listen, you know, if you want more, if you want to be more, if you want to have more, if you, if you just have that drive inside of you, you just don't know how to direct it, you know, which is, is very scary and confusing. I'm here to help, you know, let's talk. And if you can harness that energy and challenge, you know, channel that fuel and redirect it in a, in a positive way, you're going to be successful, especially, you know, if you never quit. Yeah. It makes me think of Jim Collins. He talks about in the context of leadership, like our job is to turn over rocks and stare at the squiggly thing that we see underneath that rock. Even if it scares the hell out of us is kind of his yeah. idea is that our job is to do that. I think the same idea is true. Our job, whenever something goes wrong or whatever things aren't the way we want them to be is to, is to stare at the person in the mirror and take responsibility. Is that something that has become easier for you to do over time? Is that something that comes natural to you? No, it's, it's not a natural thing. It's something that I've tried to build up over time and, and learn and improve upon. Um, you know, as a kid, you know, I think your first reaction is you don't want to get in trouble. So you, yeah. oh, he did it or whatever, you know, like yep. you're blaming on your little brother or <laughs> you, I don't, I don't know, mom, you know, like, and as you grow older, you kind of kind of understand that that's, that's not the way that's not truth. That's not how you should, should go about leading your life. And when you're a leader, when you're a leader in college and you're a leader of, of teams and, and of military guys in combat, you know, one thing that they really instill in you is anything your team does or fails to do is your responsibility. You know, uh, it doesn't even matter if, if you were there or not, it's on you. And, um, you know, there's an example in, in special forces with, with my team, like the, my, uh, I got very sick on a J set and I was sent to the hospital in the capital and I actually came down with a seizure disorder, epilepsy, you know, I never had it before in my life, no family history of it. And that's why I was medically retired. And, uh, while I was gone, my, my guys, instead of, um, expending all the ammo that we talked about, they, they threw it in a river and, um, you know, I didn't know that they did that. And when it, came back around months and months and months later that my guys had done this, you know, I was the one that got in trouble. You know, I had to step up and say, you know what? I, I didn't know about this. However, I was the commander and anything the team does or fails to do is my responsibility. So, you know, I didn't put systems and processes in place to prevent this. I failed to articulate to my team that they should not do this, you know, and, and so forth and so on. And, and, um, and I think when you're in levels of leadership, high levels of leadership, that, that happens a lot. And it's unfortunate, you know, where somebody down the line does something egregious and catastrophic and, you know, you weren't involved in it in really any way, but you have to be removed from your command because this happened under your watch. And I think when you kind of start to live a life under those restrictions, you kind of start to see things a little bit differently and you start to take more accountability for what's going on around you, what's going around you and, and not only in your immediate circle of influence, but also in society. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it seems like it's all part of that getting to know yourself process too of yeah, by sure. being, by being willing to look in the mirror and, and really ask yourself those, do, those hard questions and do that honest self-reflection, look at yourself as a leader. It kind of goes back to what uh, major Brian Pettit asked you when that first meeting you have, which you describe in chapter one, which I love that. And I'd encourage people to go read that chapter is who are you? I remember, yeah. I love how you, he asked you that question in the book and, and I would probably have a similar reaction. It's like, I, I'm not quite sure I know how to answer that question. I love that question. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Tell me what you think about what you don't have to think and I'll tell you who you are. That's been an impactful lesson in my life. Um, so we'll just tell the, the story. So there was, a, I'm trying to remember the, the whole thing. So there's a physics professor and his, and his son thought he would go into physics as well and and he was like living his life and, and uh, he kept going back to his dad and he said, well, dad, I'm not really understanding this problem. You know, can you help me understand it? And his dad was like, son, we've been over this several times. You know, you're a smart, smart kid. Like if you haven't gotten it by now, like I don't know what more to help you out with. And, and the kid said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, when you walk down the street, when you're taking a shower, when you have nothing to think about like what do you think about do you think about physics <laughs> and his son said no I, I don't and he said well physics isn't the path that you should pursue with your life you should do something else find out what you think about when you don't have to think and that's who you are that's who you should be and um and i always thought that was a fantastic lesson that i've taken with me in my life mm -hmm. Well, that's incredible. Jason, as we got like two minutes left, let me, can you just tell us a little bit about Mission 6-0, uh, the incredible work you do, I know, with the NFL and the best way for people to find you and get your book? Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, well, COVID-19 has really hurt business right now. You know, we do keynote presentations, workshops, and uh, custom events such as team building and corporate retreats. And all of our contracts are canceled or postponed for the rest of the year. Um, but we've chosen the, the uncomfortable route. We've, we've pivoted from our keynotes, our workshops, and our custom programs, which are all in-person events. And now we're going to provide online training, such as a 12-week masterclass. And, of course, our book, Deliberate Discomfort, is, is for sale. You can find it on Amazon, or you could go to our partner, veteran-owned and operated Nine Line Apparel, where you can get a copy of the book with a limited edition t-shirt and a bundle package. Um, our ebook is coming out on May 4th and our audio book should be out shortly thereafter. And if you want to find out about me or the mission six zero team or about what we do as a company, you can go to mission six zero.com. And if you're interested in learning uh, more about our nonprofit warrior rising, where veterans, and their immediate family members can start or accelerate their own businesses. You can go to warriorrising.org and find out how you can get involved with that, whether you're a veteran who wants to start a business or accelerate your business or you're a veteran supporter that wants to donate or be a mentor or just be a part of our tribe. Please go to warriorrising.org. And, uh, and that's it, bro. I think that's it, right? That's awesome. Well, Jason, you know, one of the things I love, I love the work you're doing. I love your history and how you're teaching us those lessons. But more than anything, I think I love your heart. And so keep it up. Keep being generous. Keep doing this great work. You're inspiring me and many others. 
and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You're doing great things. Keep it up as well. I'm proud of you. Thanks, Jason. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jason Van Camp. I was so impressed by his generosity with his time, his incredible insights. I loved his book. I really mean it. Go pick up Deliver Discomfort. It is an incredible book with packed with incredible stories about special operations, these incredible people that Jason worked with. So check that out. I I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Uh, I love this idea of how fear kills more dreams than failure ever will. And I think that is so true. And I just encourage you as you head out today to not let fear get the best of you. Be willing to pursue deliberate discomfort so that you can grow I think that's what we all want. We all want to grow and get better and improve and ultimately accomplish those things that are truly inside of our heart that we want to accomplish. Don't let fear get the best of you. The world needs you. The world needs you to go out and overcome your fear and accomplish those things that only you can do. I believe in you. I want to encourage you today that you have what it takes. Go and make a difference in whoever you interact with today, whatever that sphere of influence is, Go and make a difference in the lives of someone around you today. I love you. I appreciate you. God bless. Remember that life is short. Let's go make it count.